And hello, movie lovers. And so today I actually have Nick with me. I do have a couple of other guests that might be popping in. So if you happen to hear someone come in or whatever, that's basically who they are. Josh is going to be joining us in a few minutes. And of course, Kamika will be. But today we are actually talking about the season finale of episode 10, The Black Queen. This is actually part of the House of the Dragon. This is us wrapping it up, sadly. But hey, let's go on ahead. Let's do this. All right. So here's the thing. I'm going to go on ahead and what we're going to do is we're going to go on ahead and I'm going to do my plot like I always do. So it's called the Black Queen on Dragonstone. Princess Rhaenyra's announces King Viserys' death and that Prince Aegon uprising his throne. Shock Rhaenyra goes into premature labor and suffers a stillbirth. So that's a little bit of a short synopsis of what this episode focuses on, but there's just so much meat to actually digest on this. But I do like how Renice goes into Dragonstone, warns Rhaenyra that, hey, look, the the green is coming at you, mm-hmm. and you need to prepare yourself for what's going to happen. So, of course, Damon being Damon, he's like, well, we're going to go to war. Yeah, And then I like how Settle Rhaenyra's though too, but also too, you can see that she's upset because of the fact that she she's ha- she's actually pregnant again, and, and we're getting yeah she winds up having a miscarriage, mm-hmm. which you know I believe that they're going to probably play this out into next season on how they actually do this, which I'm thinking that she's going to blame the stress of the green and everything else that the green is actually doing. Yeah, and using the miscarriage as a way of putting out that extra stress on her. Where she actually has that miscarriage, which gets her even more angrier for the war that's going to happen coming into season two. Yeah, it's like not only do you usurp her throne, you cause a miscarriage, and then obviously the events that happen later are tragic as well. And you know, by by the end of this one, it's just she is a completely changed human at this point. The I feel like every every thought that she had at the beginning of the episode where, you know, she's very clearly the only one that is being conservative here with the idea of war. Damon's already got the war board out. He's got Luke Lang. This is like, literally they're, they're ready to go. The men in the room want to fight, but her being the queen and having a different perspective, she's more laid back about it and wants to actually consider her options and whether or not it's best for the realm. Not well, that's something that let's talk about that for a minute, because that's something that I really liked about this episode because of the fact that Damon is, you know, how he's prepared. He wants to go to war. But you just mentioned not too long ago before that. Hey, look, we don't have that many people to actually fight for us. We can mm-hmm. act like we have enough people if we go on in and defend this, this, this area, yeah. this area, this area. But then all of a sudden it's like we got to go to war. I'm like, dude, you just I know that you're hot headed right now, but you need to put a time out. Mm-hmm. because of the fact that you don't have enough people to be able to defend or anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's one of the odd uh, things that I felt like, you know, that Damon just needed to cool down a little bit because of the fact that he just pointed out the fact, hey, look, you know, we don't have enough people. We can act like it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have enough people to fight this war. And then also, too, another thing I like is when Renice. Where he ends up asking Renice, hey, look, why didn't you burn them when you had the chance to burn them? Mm-hmm. Which is basically us as the audience asking the same question yeah. at hand. 
So I definitely like how she answers that question to Damon. And then it's also answering our question at the same time. But it's like, well, I'm showing my loyalty towards my house. And I couldn't get to you because I was locked in the room. So there was no way that I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. My my whole take on that scene, like, her answer was obviously good for the show. But I feel like it still doesn't suffice. Like, oh, she wasn't mine to kill. Like you have just a big a bone to pick with this family is as Renera does. Like the entire reason that your son ended up with her in the first place was because of the high pressure that Otto Hightower was putting on um uh Viserys to have his daughter married off to the most powerful companion, basically, to shore up the the family. Yo. Oh. So we actually have Lord Defunk Pink. Hey, how you doing, man? How you doing, Josh? I'm all right, fellas. How y'all doing? All right. So we just got into the whole entire deal where, like, Damon is basically saying, hey, look, we want to go to battle. Of course, he wants to mention the fact that we don't have enough people to be able to do that. We're going to have to act like that we're actually surrounded. Then you also have the other scene that's being played off, though, too, where uh, Renice winds up warning uh, them about the war that's going to be coming. So that's where we're at right now. That was a very, was a very interesting scene. Um, like Damon is obviously still very quick to charge. Mm-hmm. He's very like, he's what you, he's General Custer. Okay, he likes to take those risks until the risks run out, which mm-hmm. I feel as though may happen to him eventually because he'll start to, you know. Um, Continue to be the way that he is, which is hot-headed and not thinking, just going straight in with no plan whatsoever. It's just, I want my revenge. I want blood. I'm going to get it however I feel like. We're not thinking of, well, I don't have all this here, which is why I loved Rhaenyra um, definitely stepping forward and being like, look, we can't, we obviously do not have enough. we got to get all the families together to be able to help us out at this point because what are we going to do with this little bit of an army. We're not we're not King Leonidas in the three hundred, okay? Even though they all died at the end. <laughs> Galvanized nation though. What yeah, exactly. Aspiration. <laughs> that they would, you know, it's not the same. But um I definitely like that Rhaenyra is clearly very comfortable in being queen mm-hmm. and making those decisions and being the shot caller. I mean she is the Don Lino uh you know of Dragonstone and all yeah. of Westeros. So, and you see, that's something that I wanted to mention though too. Is I like how calm she is in the pocket, where you know, you and I were talking about this, Nick, where she's basically calm in the pocket, basically just letting everything just be laid out. Well, if there's a chance to do this without shedding blood, then we'll do it. Yeah. But then also too, but before I shed blood, let's let me take a look and see at the forefront of who's actually loyal to me and who isn't loyal to me. And also, too, not only who is loyal and who's not, we also have to deal with the fact that we need to have ships. We need to have a bunch of other things laid out before we can go to war. So we can't yeah. just go to war with with nothing in our hands, basically. So I liked how she's playing that role. I thought that was really good. So, so yeah, I thought, I thought that, that was really important with that scene, too, though, was like as she's playing that role, you know, the obviously I'm the queen. Uncomfortable in the situation, she's taking her time, she's holding her breath, stuff like that. But at the same time, she way overestimates her allies. 
And, you know, in thinking that these other lords, because they swore an oath to her at one point in time, would still honor that, despite, you know, everything that's happened, is a little naive of her in that kind of thing, the ears in the position. Whereas, like, a more, you know, seasoned ruler would probably suspect that people they haven't seen are uh, kind of getting under the, like, making moves behind the scenes kind of thing. Right. And, you know, I like how, too, where Damon's actually trying to show the princes, the princes, well, the prince of, OK, oh, yeah. let me show you something. I'm going to show you who's going to be loyal, who's not going to be loyal. So it's basically preparing them for their future, mm-hmm. in a sense. And I like that part. And then also, too, there's also this other scene that I thought was laid out really well, where she does have the miscarriage, but it goes to show you how strong Will Renary actually is. It kind of reminds you of that one scene where she winds up having given birth to her firstborn yeah. and then she gets called in from Allison. Mm-hmm. And the, and I just have to say this group, this woman has balls on her. I'm just saying, because she goes on in head has a miscarriage and bleeding. And then next thing you know, it, she's getting crowned. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was I, the way she gets crowned. It was just so in, impactful and it wasn't forced. It was very settled. I definitely like that. And Crichton also says, "Hi, hi, y'all. So, Daenerys, Rhaenyra's sixth or seventh great granddaughter. What similarities do y'all see with the two characters? Extreme sense of will. She wants to do what she wants to do, and she's got the means to do it. Especially now that she's queen. Definitely. Oh, of course. But I like she has yeah, balls to do it." <laughs> <laughs> nice pair of bulls. <laughs> nice pair of bulls. There. <laughs> I mean, between her and gaming, those are just some monster, monster nats. Yeah, yeah. Like Texas battle Longhorn. by himself, no armor. Well, rules, Dragon Balls. <laughs> Dragon Balls. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Okay, I'm speaking of Dragon Balls. Uh, okay, so let's let me ask you guys this something about this. Okay, so you know how Damon's over there's like, well, if we go ahead, we could just burn everybody down and call it, and we'll eat lunch by twelve, basically. If we because we have we have about this many dragons, they only have two dragons, basically, and you don't realize how massive that other dragon is until you actually get to that one scene. That's like your dragons. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Oh my yeah. gosh. Straight out of how to train your dragon, especially mm-hmm. the um the first one. And they woke up. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was the the red, I think it's called the red death. They woke it up out of the nest and it just was chasing after. Oh my god. Nick, if I could high five you, that, that's amazing. Like that, that was, that was <laughs> great. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I honestly did get a lot of How to Train Your Dragon vibes mm-hmm. during the show. I was well, thinking to myself, actually, earlier at work, I was like, this is, this technically could be How to Train Your Dragon mm-hmm. rated R. Basically, it is. Definitely. <laughs> you know, and just without the Viking. As I was telling John, um, I did a little, you know, future looking into what the book said. And what happens next is quite literally How to Train Your Dragon. Um, amongst what they call the dragon seeds, which uh, are people that have very loose blood relation to the Targaryens. So that's mm. going to be really interesting to see what they do in season two with that. Because that's kind of like the next phase of what happens after all this stuff. But, um, you know, to kind of rewind a little bit, though, 
the scene with Damon singing to um, was it Var- uh, Varsis, right? Yeah, the, uh, the dragon. And, and you know, at first you're like, is that Rhaegar? Like, what's going on here? It's a huge dragon, obviously. The, the one uh, in the cave. Yeah. Oh, that uh, was uh, Vermithor. Vermithor. Oh, thank you, thank you. Mm. Yeah, when you're singing to Vermithor uh, in you know their tongue, that that scene I thought was so powerful because clearly, like, he's nervous. This is a dragon that has not had a rider in a very long time. I think the lore is like over a hundred years. Um, you know, he, he's got a one lure, this thing, and then bond with it mm-hmm. and, you know, get it on their side, basically. And my understanding is he, he doesn't end up writing it, um, in the books, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of like what happens with Vermithor. And he's the only dragon that could really compete with Rhaegar. And other than that, I mean, there's, there's, no one else that can compare with her. She's huge. Yeah. And can I also just point this out, though, too? I like how Renary also goes on ahead and flies onto Dragonstone itself. Mm-hmm. And whenever Otto is over there, and he goes, where's Princess Renera? She comes flying in, yeah. like in a WWE match on her dragon. She goes mm-hmm. and sits down, and he goes... Where's the princess at? It's actually the queen now. So kiss my ass, basically. So look out, JR! It's and, the queen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I and then Otto's trying to explain to her, well, your kids are still gonna get inheritance. And so therefore you there's no reason for you to be mad. Well, you just stripped her of her whole entire royalty. Mm-hmm. And what do you expect? She's not going to be a happy camper knowing that she's not going to be the heir to the throne, which was promised to her from the very beginning. And is being given to a complete piece of shit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Who doesn't even want it in the first place. It just got a participation grade. Mm -hmm. That's all it was. He just wants to run, uh, you know, child naked fist fighting rings. It's fine. It's all fine. I'm whacking you off. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, what what better way to actually celebrate the fact that you're a king having underground kid fights, naked uh kid fights, and then also to whacking off. Yeah, that's that's a king that I would want. I mean you know? a king a king who definitely believes that his seed is the homelander. It's true. It's true. It's it's true. I mean, also, see, just makes a home landing. I mean, geez. To quote Mel Brooks, it's good to be the king. (laughs) (laughs) But things so green. Um, there was actually what else was there that I wanted to talk about though too that I really enjoyed with this because this whole entire episode was just fantastic about how they were setting up the pieces, especially when. They're like where basically Renera goes on ahead and says, well, this person pledged loyalty to me. This person, the, the Starks will uh, pledge loyalty to me because they pledged loyalty before to me. Mm-hmm. And then you also have a bunch of other people too. They're like, well, that was at the beginning. A lot has changed over the years. So what makes you think that they're going to be loyal to you now? And the, and then, well, they're like, well, we'll send a couple of ravens. And then the two boys, I like how they said, well, and the, the kids do make a point, though. It's yeah, the fact ravens. that you can make a point. Yeah, 
make a point with the dragons. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was actually that that was legit because of the fact that you can do more with the dragon than you can with a raven. So that was something that I thought was a good point because now you actually have intimidation to where you can sit to go on ahead and throw some muscle in there with the dragon. Oh yeah, you're not gonna you think that our little ravens was enough wasn't enough for you. Well guess what? Now you have the dragon and yeah. if you don't do what I tell you to do, you're gonna be uh dust. Yeah. I, I really like that scene too. It was like their first moment to like or second moment really to step up as leaders compared to um the other Targaryen brothers who are very far from that. Um and then I mean obviously when Luke lands in the courtyard and you just see the silhouette of Rhaegar <laughs> in the night sky. Fucking Godzilla. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I looked at him like, no, uh-uh. I would be getting back on my dragon and be like, deuces. Yeah. I'll just tell my mom that I, that I went and I, and they're not interested anymore. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. just going to exonate this that. note. That whole battle sequence, very much something out of How to Train Your Dragon. Um, and honestly, you know, I'm thinking as by the time we fly over the storm, it's like, okay, he might make it. But then I have to remember, I'm like, that's not how the stories always seem to go. It's like in, uh, what was the show? On My Block. There was a nice moment that Oscar had with his brother. And it just seemed like so, I'm like, now nah, there's something going on here. What happens? A drive-by shooting, pop, 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 they get him. What happens in House of the Dragon? Vagar comes out of nowhere after, um, I forgot uh, Lucerus's dragon's name, After, but after she Harry, burned him. I think. Yeah, okay. So after she burned him, he's like, oh, all bets are off. I have to come and get, I, I got to get my lick back. I, yeah. I have to return the favor. And he killed him. Now, I know in the book that Aemond actually meant to do what he did, but in this... Um, apparently he felt like he wasn't trying to kill him, which I honestly think if they went either way with it, I wouldn't have minded, but I feel like this kind of, it it needs to lean more this way a bit, just to show that not everyone is like meaning to go out. It's a family spat that's just spilling over. Yeah. And now there's been a, yeah, now there's been a casualty because of it. And so, okay. Mm -hmm. I lost a ch- two children in the same episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that's she- what I wanted to mention, though, too, Josh. Is like yeah. she's not just mourning for one son; she's mourning for the other baby too. Mm-hmm. So she's pissed. She's pissed because she well, she's not pissed yet until she gets the until next season when she well at the end of the season, and then of course she winds up going to war. But mm-hmm. you can see at first she's like just in turmoil because of the fact that she lost the baby because of the miscarriage. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, you know, I had a miscarriage. I'll dust myself off and get back on the on Damon and a few. But now it's like, okay, you killed my kid. This is it. This is war. This is this is gonna be all out war now. No the gloves are off. Yeah. And this is something too. Now when he goes over to the king, and I like how the king protects the son though. He goes, look, you're not gonna have any type of bloodshed in my king in my castle at all. And he goes, he came as a messenger. He didn't come as a warrior like he promised his mom. He came as a he came as a messenger. And then, you know, he comes as a messenger and then he winds up and then all of a sudden you see Damon. He goes, not Damon, but uh, what's douchebag one-eyed Willie's name? Uh, Amond. 
Amen. Then you say, Amen. I want your eye. I'm like, dude, you have like the biggest dragon that you can think of. And you said that you were okay with it. Now, all of a sudden, now you have issues. Now you want to go on and attack him. And I was, I mean, I, I felt for the kid. I was like, oh my God, is he going to make this out of this episode alive in that castle? But once I saw the king was leaning more towards his side, I'm like, okay, good. Get on your dragon and leave. But then I'm like, no, this is not over. This is definitely not over. See, this I is felt, so much. Yeah. Not going to too. Um, you know, it's a real case of the kids going too far. Um, in, you know, the previous episodes when Luke slashes his eye, he pulled a knife out on a cousin who was going to beat up another cousin. Luke went too far. Um, in this one, we kind of get that version of it with one of them being almost an adult, obviously, and Eamon. And, you know, the, the showrunners in, in the post credits af- afterwards basically talked about how, like, you know, in that moment, he didn't intend to kill his cousin. He just wanted to fuck with him, basically. And you kind of see that on his face right after it happens. And he looks back and he just sees the falling carcass of the dragon. And Luke's not anywhere to be seen because he literally got eaten by the dragon. Um, you know, he has that moment of, oh, shit, I just kicked off, you know, World War One here. And everybody's going to pay for it. But like, then yeah. in the same scene, he kind of adjusts his posture and looks up and starts to kind of have that look in his eye like, I just did that. I have the only dragon alive that has any combat experience. And there's nothing that can stop me. It's off. See, the thing with that, like a lot of people were saying before, they were trying to you know, make their judgments on who was going to die in this episode mm-hmm. obviously no i had a feeling that you know there's obviously someone that's going to be the sacrificial lamb to kind of kick things off yeah a lot of people were saying auto but i didn't think it would be that obvious i feel like his is going to come much much later in a much more satisfying way but i at one point i had to make i said you know maybe it's one of the kids but they're like no nah, they're not going to do that what did they do lo and behold Lucerus, future Lord of the Tides is gone. And um, I, you got to wonder, how do you explain this to your mom? Hey, mom, you know, uh, I was just taking a ride today and, uh, you know, got into it with my cousin a bit, but it's okay. You know, he's, I, I killed him. And uh, somewhere in the ocean, I, I don't yeah. know. I think, you know, maybe Steven Spielberg was using his chum for like Jaws or something. I, I, I don't know. But he, he's gone, Mom. So, uh, yeah, just want to let you know in case people just roll up on your doorstep and uh, it's Dracarys everywhere in Westeros. I mean, like, like, come on. How do you explain that? Mm. And I'm pretty sure. Right. And, and another thing I really wish we got that um, I think someone mentioned on John Campia's after show about this final episode, and I was thinking the exact same thing. How cool would it have been to get an also another shot, right? Not of just Rhaenyra's reaction to losing um, Lucerys and then being, you know, she's snapping, but also seeing Allison's reaction at the same mm-hmm. time, receiving that news, and she's like, oh, shit, like, this is the yeah. war started. Like, just off of that. Like, off that, I, I would see, imagine the first thing that we see in the new like new season would be that conversation and Eamon twisting it to 
I was flying off to come home. Luke attacked me with his dragon and made the mistake of blowing fire in Rhaegar's face with a dragon that's an infant compared to this thing that's thousands of years old and will rip it apart. Yeah. See, I was thinking that too, though, Josh. I'm like, they, I wish it would have actually showed like a little small cutscene of him just going up to his mom. Is like, well, mom, my bad. Um, I killed my cousin. <laughs> uh, so, um, <laughs> good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> like, I didn't like that one. Anyway. <laughs> You're like Otto Capullo, line from Avatar. It's rough, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I could also see him probably saying, well, maybe he flew a little bit closer to the water than he was supposed to, or something lower to the ground or near cliffs. But that whole entire chase scene itself was really intense, especially when. You see him go through the cliffs. Of course, you know, Vagar being Vagar, he can fit in between that. So I'm like, okay, he has a little bit of safeguard around him. So, you know, that's good. And then all of a sudden you see him go back up. I'm like, no, dude, you should have stayed in the cliffs and go through the cliffs, not even go back up. If he went back up, if he didn't go back up, he would have survived it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff like that, because he can't go near the canyons or anything like that because he's too big and too massive. So they said in the in the post credits, that was part of Luke's inexperience, the dragon's inexperience, and Rhaegar's combat experience is it knew that it needed to wait for it to come out and then go high again. And then it, Rhaegar kind of waited in a place where it couldn't be seen within the clouds until it was too late and was able to come up from behind and get hmm. uh, get Luke. So, you know, it, that makes actually uh, sense. Dives into the whole like, you know, a soldier hunting a civilian, soldier mm-hmm. going 11 out of 10 times. Like you just don't stand a chance. So, you know, it's kind of them mimicking that, but with dragons and, you know, an adult fighting a child also. See, right. Like, I just kind of, I do wish like he was able to stay down there, but I also feel as though, like you said, you know, a soldier hunting a civilian is going to win 11 out of 10 times. Yeah. Usually. Um, but <clears throat> I will say, even if he did hide, Pretty sure Amond, being the slick trick bastard that he is, I'm pretty he would have found a way down there or found he a way landed to Rhaegar draw him out, up, gone down, and either fight him by hand or yeah. have Rhaegar just light up the entire canyon. Yeah, like either way, that's another thing. Yeah. Him out, not the fun exactly. Exactly, I see what you did there. Uh, wow, nice barbecue reference. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's also with talk about this with Coralis. Let's talk about Corliss for a minute, though, oh, yeah. too, because we forgot about that. Where Renice in here, yeah. Where you want Renice gives him some news of number one. <laughs> number one, he wants she winds up saying, "Hey, look, your brother died because he was running his mouth." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number two, number two, we're not the strongest house anymore. Mm-hmm. So now it's all about survival for them because they were the richest. Now that they're gone, they're basically gone now. That makes the Tigarians number two. Lannisters are basically number three or four down to the bottom of the totem pole almost. So now it's about survival for them. So now you actually now I like how Corliss walks into the whole entire meeting too. There's like now you have the command of my fleet, you have full control and full reign on everything that you need for this war. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely like how he actually presents her as a friend. 
and not as an enemy. He shows loyalty towards his house and towards her, just like how Renice did. So I like that. So what did you think going into that episode? That, so that's that part. important, uh, too, because obviously that scene, great love scene that he's back and, and healthy. Um, but, you know, finding out that he was fighting in the Stepstones, in the books, the Greens are allied with the Triarchy. So he's quite literally at war with the people that are supported by the people they're about to be at war with. So it like fits so perfect into kind of his progression that he comes back and it's like, okay, I secured this area for us. It costs us a lot of men. It costs us a lot of blood, but I'm here and it's ours. Now we can focus all of our attention on the greens who were funding the enemy that I just fought for us. Also, there's going to be a spinoff series about him. Wait, yeah, really? that's what I was going to get into as well. Yeah, there is going to be a spinoff series uh, with his origin story, which is something that I really can't wait to see. Because you know how he said at the very beginning of episode one, it was I have a, fl- a fleet of ships in gold. So I want to see him go through that progression of where he once was and then who he is now. I can't wait to see that. Is it still going to be Steve uh, Stephen Toussaint playing um, I don't know. They, they only announced that it's a spinoff. It'll either be what was going on during that battle or that war, mm-hmm. or it'll be like his full origin story and like the establishment of House Valarian. The establishment of House Valarian lies within this here sword. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the thing about being a member of House Valarian is realizing that Rhaenys well, she makes very good points usually at very different points in time. See, she called out Corvus for his own ambitions. And it's like, yeah, no, I was I was wrong. I was in it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. So now here I am. I'm wounded. My family has been weakened. And the the realm is at war is well brewing. War is brewing within the realm. <clears throat> so what do I do? Well, I mean, let's see where, where Rhaenyra's head's at. He backs her. That obviously makes whoa a huge statement. Mm. Just cut through the floor. As sharp as dragon's tongue, it seems. Um, but, so, yeah, I think like him backing her, and obviously them having the Valarian fleet now, cutting off all the ports, anywhere there's trade involved, they have now full control over. And mm-hmm. probably, like they, they are literally they're constricting. Mm. Um, Allison and her clan at this point. So now I'm just wondering how in season two, with all this constriction that's going on, what what is Otto? That's who I'm thinking. What is Otto going to plan next? And I feel like next season there's going to be a lot of us more assassination attempts. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, Loris is Big not time. done yet. Like, if you guys ever played Skyrim, I feel like Loris is representing the Dark Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Honestly, just assassinating anyone in the party or, or attempting to whoever it's going to be. But I hate that's that just what I think so much. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Every three seconds, it'd be cool, but holy crap. Oh, man. Life of the dark heard that guy's so fast. Every time I <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's get into the final moment that Crichton was talking about. So there's a, as everybody knows, there's that one scene where 
they where they wind up uh, getting the news, and so Damon and Renera walks over to the fireplace, and of course, they're you can tell that they're crying, but they're not sh- allowing to show emotion, which is I thought was really fitting for them to. And then when you see that one part, you could see her being pissed. She's like, "Yeah, this is war. I'm going to war now. This is it." Oh, it's and. Out. Exactly. But I love it, though. I mean, that scene alone, to me, gave me goosebumps and told you a lot without having to say anything. And that's something that I really enjoyed about that one scene. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, I really I really felt for her. And this is actually the I I cried a lot of a lot of fictional stuff. But this really broke my heart because of the fact that. I feel, and I even told Nick this at the very beginning. I said, "I'm glad that we got that these kids at a younger age, where it feels like we grew up with them, in a course of four seasons. But this is only one season, but we grew up with them within ten episodes, and you have that emotional attachment to that character to where you can care about them to where when that character dies, you're crying. And I felt emotional. I felt the same way that Renera did, and also Damon did. So." I, they the showrunners did a damn good job with this. Yeah, yeah, and that that's, that speaks to the um, speaks to brilliance to the art of acting. I mean, acting is to not only have you convey this character and bring it to life, but to make someone else feel for this character. Like obviously, like look, this character isn't real, but you can embody this, embody those traits. How do I feel about you? as you, you know, you give off those traits and being able to connect with another person, like John, you're not alone. Okay. Cause I cried heavily uh, at the end of Coco, uh, like for 20 oh, minutes. Oh, home. I cried oh, for that no. one. Yeah. Finding Dory. Uh, <laughs> don't, uh, <laughs> oh, <not bad> <laughs> Let's see. I watched well, that one like a few months after my mom passed away. That was, that was hard. me for Coco when my uncle passed, man. It was like, yeah, that one hit. Mm-hmm. Wally's another one. Uh, Toy Story. Toy Man, yeah, see, you're not alone. Look, I'll even admit this. I'll admit this on live right now. I cry. <laughs> Listen, I don't, how old was I in 2007? I, I just can't remember off the top of my head right now. When Spider Man 3 came out, I cried when Harry died. Yes, I did. I can admit that. I don't care how everybody feels about it. I will defend Spider Man 3. But yes, when Harry Osborne passed, got me right in the feels, man. Um. Anyway, House of the Dragon. So, uh, <laughs> you know. Fear the fire. <laughs> like I just Creighton he makes he makes a really excellent point like yeah um, Emma Darcy she really brought in you could feel it in her face like yeah there was the tears but there was also like it snapped okay mm-hmm. I'm you want to draw they drew first blood I'm going to spill all the rest that's how she's feeling right exactly you know yeah yeah, and that's, yeah. I love that for her character. Like, well, it's okay. kind of like the wake up call too. It's like I, my entire life, my entire opportunity to seize power, have always kind of played it cool and more even keeled, which is great to a point until it gets somebody very close to you killed because you thought formalities would be adhered to. Yeah, mm-hmm. I also like to say like to that. Um, Ray Rhaenyra has been she's been through a lot and just seeing how their friendship kind of fell apart mm-hmm. in all of these years and now 
their enemies. It's almost it's almost like they pulled elements from Romeo and Juliet. Like we got Montagues and Capulets going at it right now. Like maybe at one point, I don't know all the history, but maybe at one point Montagues and Capulets were friends and then this whole split happened. I don't know if the family ever comes back together truly within this story, but knowing George R. George yeah, R. Well, Martin. One of the Montagues decides to have sex before marriage and doesn't tell her best friend about it. And all of a sudden the families are at war. I mean, that's just how it goes. That's Same it. thing happens all the time today. <laughs> but yeah, all in all, um, I feel like this, this season has been fantastic. There was not one single moment that was wasted. Everything fit into the way that they needed to tell the story. I thought the elements and the story and everything that they were trying to tell us was fantastic. I think I'm excited to see more and I'm excited to see what, what else we have that, that they're going to give us, you know? Yep. It's that far away. No. Is rings of power going to come out? I swear if they come out at the same time, if they do this every year, I swear to God, I'm just going to tap out. <laughs> this, is, this is ridiculous. Like I just oh swear God. if rings of power doesn't start adhering to the stuff that's already written more. Like they've already changed some really important stuff in the lore. I know it's a Amazon purchase piece of work from Tolkien. They didn't get the entire estate, but like John, you haven't watched it yet, right? No, I haven't because I won't spoil it. But there's like there's some stuff that they're like, okay, cool. Like it's just a condensed timeline. All the characters are here, but then there's other stuff that's like. No, there's established canon for this that you just decided to wipe your ass with. And you see, <laughs> with me, the only reason why I didn't do that, like I said before, was because of the fact I'm waiting for all the episodes to be done. And I think it's finally done, right? Oh, yeah. They're, they're all out. And yeah. The so now, okay. So now I'm just going to go on and binge it. And then after I get done binging it, I'll do a whole review on it and yeah, do it yeah. that way. Because between doing this show and doing She-Hulk, it was just like too much at one time. So I'm like, you know what? Same thing whenever I do um, the Star Wars show that's on right now, too. I'm going to binge that and do a whole review on that. And that's how I'm going to do that one. Because there's just like too much. Of the three finales that I've seen uh, from Rings of Power, this obviously, and She-Hulk, two out of the three were, were really good to great being... Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. <laughs> and I thought the She-Hulk finale was one of the worst creations in the history of TV. Um, I mean, the Kevin thing was cool, but like all everything that they did in the episode, all of the work as a viewer that we did to get to where we were basically amounted to nothing. And we never actually really got She-Hulk doing battle. They broke every character archetype that they had established already. And obviously she doesn't agree with the ending. So then they go with the whole lazy thing of, okay, well, it's her ending. It's her show. So she just gets to kind of fly off into the sunset and have her happy moment. If only Thanos could just make it all cease to exist. Just do it again, just do it again. She Hawk out of like Groundhog's Day, Thanos, Thanos version. 
like, see, and it, that leads me. I'm glad y'all brought that up because that leads me to my my question. Um, now I haven't watched Andor. I haven't watched Rogue One. I'm still going through the Star Wars universe at this very moment right now. Um, but I know people have said that they are not fans of it. They feel like nothing happens. And I've also heard the same thing with people saying like, well, there's really nothing happening in House of the Dragon. And I'm just wondering, why do you think people feel like this? Because to me, I know everything Everything doesn't have to be told through action. It can just be told through dialogue. If you have great dialogue that reveals the problems and the things that are going on and really telling the story, then I think it works. And then if you're able to, there was so little, um, it, it seemed like there was so little action in this season that later on, when we do get more of those bigger epic scenes, we'll appreciate it even more because we went through all of this. So I just want to ask you guys, like, why do you think people feel as though that, um, you know, di- maybe I guess dialogue isn't enough to tell a story or why they feel like nothing's actually happening when in fact there is? I think a lot of that has to do with shot selection and camera movement more than anything. So Lord of the Rings mm. is a really good example of this, right? Each episode had a little bit of action, but the dialogue-based scenes, unlike The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, uh, the original trilogy, they did a lot of steady cam where you're straight on the actor's frame, which is something that you would see more in like a drama like the one Chicago shows or right. like a soap opera. Whereas in the past, with the huge sets that they filmed on, for the original trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. They're inside the halls of, of Rohan and in Eteris, they're panning the whole room and getting all the characters' reactions, even when they're not the ones saying the line. And like Lord of the Rings did a lot of that where they didn't, you know, move the camera. It's right on you. The first few episodes of Game of Thrones had a lot of that as well for this season. So that might be where a lot of it's coming from because important stuff gets missed when the audience gets bored by the motion of the scene. That is true. That is true. So would you say like if these shows had more more shots like uh, 1917, it's like the best example I can think of, where it was a lot of just one shots just going throughout the entire um, making the the entire story. Yeah, Yeah. like you're you're actually going on this journey with these people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like you want to feel like you're in the room, right? Like you're not just watching something on a screen. When you're in these epics, you want to feel like you're in it, like you're there. part of it. And I mean, that's why people get bigger screens with huge speakers and all mm-hmm. the you know, accompanying things because they want to feel, feel like they're in the scene. Yeah. For me, I think it's too pacing. People are used to quick pacing mm-hmm. and stuff like that as well and the attention spans as well uh, with will go a long way too i feel like you but here's a yep 30 seconds this is why that some of our youtube stuff just does not work because they're used to a 30 seconds time stamp versus a 30 40 minute Mm -hmm. show sometimes but here's another thing i want to bring up though is too not only the pacing but 99.9 percent of the acting is basically your basically your body structure and the way that you're telling a story through your eyes and through the emotion and through signals that you're giving people 
So that's something that I'm really invested in is watching some things without dialogue and just looking at the visualization of the character and how they look at each other and then going in from that, that kind of perspective. That's what zooms me into it where I just don't even feel like I'm a viewer anymore. It feels like I'm more witnessing this than actually just watching a show. Yeah. That's something that I'm invested in. But I feel like pacing has a lot to do with it. I also feel like people are used to a two and a half hour movie versus a, a TV show where you have to have building blocks and st- structure for characters. You can't just throw them in there and go action, 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 action. And then right. you have some dialogue. You have mm-hmm. to have a reason as to why this thing is happening. You have to have a reason why this war is happening what the beef is between Allison and also Renera, you have to have these pieces moving. Otherwise it just comes very bland and it just becomes a show. Uh, it just becomes just a regular everyday show that you watch on Sundays mm-hmm. versus this big Epic. So that's something I feel like that people, why people uh, thought that they were just wasting their time. You know what it becomes if it, if it doesn't have the right pacing and everything that you just said, it becomes that uh, old Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> movie from when we were kids. There's no one going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a point. And so it was made by a fan. So many dragons. Just not a good movie. No. <laughs> oh, man. Like, uh, y'all ever saw that movie Skyline? Come on, 2011. Yeah. Mm. That is legitimately one of the most horrid. One of the worst films I have ever seen where it's like, okay, aliens are invading. Let's hop 36 hours earlier. We're all taking a nap, having a party, <laughs> doing lines of cocaine, Percocet, drugs everywhere, more than Babylon, maybe. Then all of a sudden, there's this thing in the sky. You know, what is that? People just start getting zapped left and right. Aliens start coming down. It's like, oh my God. This is the acid or the aliens. Like, what is that? Like, there's no story. I'm not connected to any of the characters whatsoever. How do you do that? And that's a- like, exactly. I knew what you were about to say because that is what is right with these shows. They give you the slow burn so you get attached to these characters. So that as the story progresses and goes on, those moments where it's like, oh, oh, you. They're in danger. Something's going on here. Like, like mm-hmm. you, you really get invested. And even if they leave you on a cliffhanger, you want more. Why? Because you're attached to the characters. It's not just exactly. constant action, explosion, uh, blow this one's head up because we don't know Michael how to do Bay. Dr. Doom right. <laughs> yeah, Michael Bay. I mean, like, fan four stick. Next thing you know, we're seeing T-Rex just throwing grenades randomly. How? how, how? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Oh my god! You know, I would like to see that though. <laughs> T Rex football. <laughs> All right, guys. So oh, I think that's everything that we had wanted to cover as far as the season finale is. We I just want to thank Ryan for commenting in the comment section. I want to thank my wife for commenting as well and always supporting me with everything that I'm doing with the podcast and stuff like that. But you know, it's been great just doing this with you guys and being able to come in on a Wednesday night, just goofing off and doing this show with you guys. I have a, I, we always have fun, Nick. You've been on my uh, show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we always have fun. And that's the main thing. And got, and another thing too is if you're new to this channel, 
Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button. Comment below. Tell us some of your scenes. If we leave out anything, don't bitch at us. Just tell us what we left out and tell us what, what you thought of a certain scene that we left out. And guess what? We'll comment below. We'll tell you what we think of that scene and everything and just geek out with you and stuff. So that's what I'm here for. Uh, so uh, you can actually follow Mr. Midnight on his uh, on his channel at the Midnight Cinema, showing his sword to everybody in a non sexual way. Um, but another thing I want to mention is this: in a few minutes, Rossi's going to be doing a horror movie review. So go on ahead at nine o'clock Central Time, seven o'clock PM Pacific Standard Time. She's going to be doing a horror movie on a, a, I think it's called Afflect or something like that. I don't remember exactly what the name of it is, but, you know, she's going to be doing a review. It's called Afflected. So she's going to be doing a review on the movie Afflected. And then tomorrow night, I'm going to be doing a review on The Thing. So that's going to be another review that we're going to be doing at 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. The Made for Movie TV podcast is going to be joining me for that one. And so, and then, then Alex and I are going to be doing a pre-recorded short film review on an animated short film that got sent in to us by one, some public, one of the publicists from, for the Oscars. So we're going to do that. And then, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Very but well yeah, um, that's going to drop on Friday. And then after that, I'm not doing any shows for the rest of the weekend. So everybody, I hope you guys have a safe and safe weekend and i hope that you guys enjoyed the rest of the content that we have on here always until next time guys be safe and bye-bye <laughs>